Welcome to the Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes Paved Podcast, Big Tobacco Mess with the Wrong Moms. I'm Meredith Berkman. I'm Dorian Furman, and we're the Wrong Moms. Today, we are extremely excited and um, honored to have with us Dr. Kelly Henning, who is the program lead for Public Health at Bloomberg Philanthropies. So Dr. Henning, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tobacco is a really important issue, certainly for us and certainly for Bloomberg Philanthropies. It would be great if you could explain to us why that is such an important issue of the past, the present, and the future, and your own involvement and interest in that issue. Thank you for that. Um, You know, Michael Bloomberg uh, was uh, a real pioneer in tobacco control while he was mayor of New York City. Uh, One of his very first uh, policies that he put in place after um, entering office was the Smoke-Free Air Act in New York City, which made all indoor public places smoke completely smoke-free. That meant no designated smoking rooms, no smoking indoors. And although at the time it was a controversial um, piece of policy, it has proven to be one of the most successful um, policies of his entire term. And um, what we have seen in New York City as a result of that policy and other things that he did around tobacco control was a very large uh, decline in smoking among both adults and teenagers, um, really historic lows in terms of smoking among teens. And so in 2007, when Bloomberg Philanthropies uh, launched our our global public health programs, um, the natural first fit for us was to work on tobacco control. And so um, Mike Bloomberg stepped up and really provided the resources for us to put together a terrific group of organizations to work outside the U.S. in low and middle income countries to fight tobacco, where tobacco companies were really pushing hard Uh, to addict uh, new smokers. That work has been ongoing and we've had a remarkable success. Uh, We estimate that we've saved more than 35 million lives so far globally in tobacco control. But then on the scene came the youth vaping uh, epidemic in the United States. And so at that point, uh, youth use of tobacco products was at historic lows in the US. And And Mike really felt very concerned that all of that progress could be reversed with the uh, vaping um, pandemic, if you will, (laughs) epidemic in the U.S. that was was occurring. And so he really uh, stood up and and said, let's not let this happen. Um, uh, September marked a year since we started working in this space, and Bloomberg Philanthropies has committed $160 million to an initiative to really reverse the youth um, vaping problem in the U.S. We are so grateful not only for everything that Mayor Bloomberg has done in the past, but your commitment to the youth vaping epidemic. We were actually with you almost, you know, more than a year ago when you announced this amazing initiative, and we were hopeful that there would be progress. What we've seen, in fact, is the opposite, and now that we're dealing with this pandemic, we are even more worried because vaping is dangerous in and of itself. But when you combine it with the state of the world with this pandemic, it's even more dangerous. So I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about why now in light of COVID, you know, we really have to focus more on this. 
So several states and cities around the country have really recognized this epidemic as critical to attend to. And as you know, California, New York, Massachusetts, Chicago, a number of sites have actually banned flavored electronic cigarettes um, in the course of the last year or so. So that's encouraging news. But as you point out, um, that's not a national policy, and that doesn't affect all uh, kids in all states. So we still have work to do. In the midst of all that, the COVID pandemic uh, emerged, and it just makes common sense that when we have a, a, a pandemic that's affecting lung health, as well as other aspects of health, that anything that uh, is potentially uh, damaging to the lungs is a bad thing. And so um, we really want to make sure that we go all out here to try to educate and bring policymakers along so they can understand how important it is at this moment. It's not just COVID-19, it's COVID-19 and e-cigarettes and a number of other uh, chronic disease-related issues that in public health that need to be attended to. We would love to talk for a, a moment just about the, the, um, the most recent survey, the NYTS for 2020. This is a generation of kids who otherwise would not have been initiated into tobacco use, but for Juul and those that have followed. And in large part because of the very heavy lifting, the very important work that people like Mayor Bloomberg and Bloomberg Philanthropies and so many others did to educate people. When, you know, when we were young, we already knew that tobacco wasn't cool, that smoking killed. And then to see all of that undone would just be a, a travesty. So again, we are really, really grateful. When we talk about the latest figures, and, and I think there's been a lot of media focus about the fact that the actual number has dropped somewhat in a small way uh, from last year to this year, which of course is encouraging. What worries us is that we see evidence of greater addiction. And that tracks with the, the hundreds upon hundreds and hundreds, almost thousands of stories that we hear from parents around the country whose kids are suffering from severe nicotine addiction caused by e-cigarette dependence. So I, I guess it would be really helpful for us to hear from you. You know, What is your focus when you and your team have looked at the latest survey? You know, what does it tell you? So the recent release of the, of the National Youth Tobacco Survey in September, actually, was a, an important milestone. It's a very, it, we're very fortunate to have a, a, a pretty comprehensive set of data to look at. And so that's, that's a good thing. Um, and as you point out, there has been some decline in um, high school students and middle school students who report using e-cigarettes. And that's also a good thing, but one should not forget that 3.6 million kids are using electronic cigarettes. And that's an enormous number. Of, of children. The other point that I think you're referring to is this, this piece of information or data from the survey that showed that among kids that um, use e-cigarettes, they, um, uh, they use them more often and they're therefore more addicted. They're, they're using them 20 or more days per month, potentially far more than that. That's just the way the question is phrased actually. And um, each year, that proportion of kids who are e-cigarette users that are, are heavy users is going up and up and up. And that is not a good thing because it is much harder for those kids to stop using the electronic cigarettes. And so um, we have a sort of perfect storm here of uh, issues coming together 
And it's really important for all of us to, to work on these. And I think um, many people don't realize that, that kids are using these products very, very frequently and are getting very large amounts of nicotine and other, other substances that are in the electronic cigarettes um, in their lungs. And this is not a good thing. Another thing the survey has shown us is that there has been an incredible increase in the number of kids who are using disposable e-cigarettes. How are we going to deal with this? This is what the kids are now using. I mean, we talk about Puff Bar quite a lot as, quote, the new jewel. So I guess we just wanted to ask your thoughts about that, the best way to combat that, and um, your concerns about the disposable flavored category as well. Disposable e-cigarettes are really a, a very big concern, and they're wildly popular among kids. Um, disposables are cheap, and they're marketed in flavors like banana ice and pink lemonade, and they contain more nicotine than a pack of cigarettes. So the market share of these products is increasing dramatically. Um, kids are very bright. They're very resourceful. They understand if they can't get fruity flavors in one product line, they could potentially get them in another product line. So um, these are not safer products. They're equally um, harmful or concerning for kids. And they, as you point out, are not regulated. So this is a big gap. And I think it's important that this whole disposable uh, electronic cigarette um, uh, line be addressed by FDA, and I'm very hope, very much hoping they will do that. I think the other point I want to make here, which might be a little subtle, but in the in the National Youth Tobacco Survey, there was a rise in the use of flavored e-cigarettes, and people said, "Well, how could that be possible? FDA banned flavors, fruity flavors, and so forth." But actually, there are many products out there that are not covered by FDA that are fruit flavored and that kids are using. So disposables is a big one of those. One other thing that we are concerned about is the rise in the use of menthol e-cigarettes by young people. I think now 37% of young people are using menthol, which was also um, exempted inexplicably from all of our perspectives in the guidance. And of course, companies like Juul have applied for a menthol flavored product. When we look at the, the teen use of menthol, which is is really mint. Menthol is mint. Menthol is a flavor. And we look at studies that say kids who are vaping are four times more likely to turn to combustibles. And we look at the data that shows kids will migrate to whatever flavors are available. There is also concern about menthol cigarettes. Um, as we've been building out our group, we see ourselves as parents fighting big tobacco. So I wonder if if you think that the, the increase in menthol use uh, of vapes by teens could, in the end, lead to greater use of menthol cigarettes, which is something that we're worried about. Yeah, I think that's a big concern that that public health uh, professionals have. Certainly, this increase in um, the skyrocketing, really, of the use of menthol flavored e-cigarettes is is very, very, very concerning. Um, Menthol is a is a, sort of in the in cigarettes in regular cigarettes. Menthol is something that kind of makes people's um, experience less harsh. It makes smoking less irritating, and it makes it harder to quit. So menthol is a is a is a real problem in terms of cessation of of tobacco products, um, combustible cigarettes, and 
And of course, we don't want kids using e-cigarettes of any sort, and that would include menthol. What can parents do? Because we hear from parents all the time who are desperate because their families' lives have been upended by the crisis. It's important for parents to um, understand what the main message is here so that they can advocate effectively to protect their children. And that is really the elimination of all flavored e-cigarettes, all flavored e-cigarettes, all flavors, all fla all types of flavored e-cigarettes. They really need to be removed from the market. That's our goal. That's what we would like to see happen. And we think would be most effective at reducing teen use of electronic cigarettes. And parents are very powerful. They have a very powerful voice. Um, they, uh, they can work in collaboration with their schools, with their school administrators, with their pediatricians, with the medical groups. They really have a very, very important role to play, as do the teens themselves. And I know that, um, that PAVE has worked with teens, and, and teens can tell their stories in a very powerful way. These products are highly addictive. It's very difficult to quit. It's not impossible to quit, but it's very difficult. And we need to be there to support our teens as they navigate through this really uh, aggressive marketing strategy that they face every day. I just want to say how grateful we are not only to you for joining us on this podcast, but to the whole Bloomberg family for all of your work through the years, protecting kids, protecting our, our nation from the predatory practices of big tobacco, which continues to shape shift and today is taking the form of flavored e-cigarette products. So this was incredibly enlightening and we thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We are powered by parent volunteers like you. If you want to get involved or just get some more information, please reach out to us at parentsagainstvaping.org or follow us on Facebook. We need parents like you to join us in the fight against big tobacco's predatory behavior towards our kids. Please do join us and together we can protect our kids from big tobacco. Thank you again for listening and we hope to hear from you. Do you have a teen or young adult at home that vapes? This is Quitting is a free and anonymous text message program designed to help young people quit vaping. Teens and young adults can text Ditch Vape to 88709 to sign up today. That's provided by Truth, the National Youth Tobacco Prevention Campaign from our partner and sponsor, uh, the Truth Initiative. It's the first of its kind program that helps young people feel motivated, inspired, and supported while quitting. More than 150,000 young people have enrolled since the program launched in January 2019. The messages include evidence-based tips and strategies to quit combined with real feedback from young people. Again, teens and young adults can enroll by texting Ditch Vape to 88709. Truth Initiative also offers free text messages for parents who are helping their children quit vaping. I myself enrolled in this program as well and would get different ideas and tips to help support my son. You can join the program by texting QUIT to 202-899-7550 or by visiting becomeanx.org to sign up. To learn more about Truth Initiative and its programs, visit truthinitiative.org.